The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we work our fingers to the bone to make sure that you have the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Now, this is a very special pre-recorded show, and the reason is that my guest and I are actually in Puerto Rico during mm-hmm. the time that you're going to hear this. Uh, and why are we in Puerto Rico for a fantastic vacation? Nope. <laughs> that is not it at all. We are at our RIA mastermind meeting that happens three times a year with real estate association leaders from all over the United States. And all we do for four solid days in a beautiful location is geek out on RIA's <laughs> geek out on How do we do better programming? How do we do better customer service? How do we help people move along the path to Enderhood? So unfortunately, you will not hear me giving any contact information uh, to call in during the show because I'm not here. But uh, at the same time, if you did have a question during the show, you could send it to askvina at gmail.com. And I will forward that to Jonathan or I will um, answer it myself if it's, a, if it's a simple question that I can answer. Again, that's askvina at gmail.com. So the topic today is a little bit of an unusual one, usual one in that it's not like directly real estate tactic related. We're not going to talk about how to wholesale better or retail better or be a better rental housing provider or short-term rentals or notes or anything like that. We're going to talk in a bigger way about your business, about how do you do a better job of juggling all the balls and figuring out all the stuff. And I mean, anyone who's been in the real estate business for more than a week quickly realizes that there are a lot of things that you feel like you should be doing or could be doing or that must be done that you don't always know how to do, or maybe you do know how to do it and you're not very good at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I find that, I find that uh, true in my life many times. I, it's not that I uh, don't know what to do. It's that mm, I'm not really skilled enough to do it. So our topic today is who not how for real estate entrepreneurs. I'm sure you all have heard of and probably been recommended the book, uh, Who Not How, but sometimes we need like translation. Like, mm-hmm. how does this apply to 
what we do. My guest today is Jonathan Nation, who is a longtime member of the Real Estate Investors of Nashville. He does some business coaching and he's joining us by phone from his home near Nashville. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we've been we've been uh, talking about doing this show for I think about six or eight months at this point, um, <laughs> because <quite> possibly. <laughs> because I know that uh, you you are uh, a big advocate of not of of asking the right questions. Let me say it that mm-hmm. way. And sometimes mm-hmm. the right question is not how do I do this or even how is this done. Rarely is it, <laughs> but rather who should be doing this instead of me and what can I do for them to uh, encourage them to want to do that for me. So talk a little bit about your background. Hmm. Hmm. So I I actually joined our, our association in Nashville. We call it REN and I will refer to it as REN um, in 2006, roughly. Um, but I wasn't interested in real estate investing. I was interested in building businesses and I was building businesses. But when I went, I saw and I, I, I followed people who are successful for a long time. And I knew it was very clear. Everyone who was really successful was building a business. Sometimes it was a big business. Sometimes it was a small business with just a single person and then a bunch of contractors. And... I hung out with Ren for a long time. They asked me to be on the board. I served on the board for a while. And eventually I made enough friends that had deals and opportunities that I got involved in self-storage. I do short-term rentals now. I expect to buy into commercial or if we have a downturn, because I was around during 2008 but did not participate, I expect to buy a lot of stuff. And... At this point, I really enjoy helping four kinds of people, artists, entrepreneurs, investors, and owners. And so when I go to Myria, a lot of times it's I find people, I see what they're doing, I get to know them, and I connect them with the right people that they need at that time. And that's what I really enjoy doing in Myria. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to I want to roll back to something you said early in that introduction. You said most of the successful people I met had businesses mm-hmm. as opposed to what? Like what, what what were the not so successful people doing that was not having a business? First of all, it's a mindset. It's It's a mindset change from I have to do it all. And just hamster wheel, hustle, 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 grind to I want to live a different life than this. (laughs) And there are things that I'm really great at that provide me energy. And I always keep those. If, If it fills you up, if it gives you energy and you're great at it and you can't find anyone else who's better than you, do those things. But the things that drain you and drag you down, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So you were looking at one group of people who had that mindset and was, was mm-hmm. doing those things and a different group of people who was still stuck in what I, I think of as 
old school investing. It's kind of the way my dad did things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If it needs to be done, number one, there's nobody better to do it than me. <laughs> Somebody else will just mess it up if I sign it to them. And number two, you just put your nose to the grindstone and do it even if you end up e- working 18 hours a day. And yeah, I bought a lot of properties, but also I don't have a family anymore because I never saw them. <laughs> I was working 18 hours a day sort of thing. So excellent. When we come back from the break, we are going to dig further into how, like what, what is the, what is the, what does this actually look like? We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Jonathan Nation, who is a guy who likes helping build businesses and happens to be a lot, around a lot of real estate investors uh, a lot of the time, thanks to his uh, membership in Real Estate Investors of Nashville, uh, we're, we're sort of talking about this concept of who, not how, which, of course, came from the book entitled Who, Not How, which, by the way, if you're sitting there going, I should order that book, please go to wmkvfm.org first and click that little Amazon button at the top and then order the book. It won't cost you any more. And WMKV, public radio, WMKV, let me remind you, gets a few cents of that and every little bit helps with a small public radio station. So for those of us, for those of us who have not studied this book, uh, maybe at all or maybe as thoroughly as you can or you have, it it's who not how mm-hmm. so it's asking you to ask a basic question of who should do this instead of how do i do it but who is the who mm-hmm. well the way i look at it there are let's say six different who's so the first who is you and and you may be the right answer the second who could be someone close to you already so friends, family, people around you. The third who is your team. So if you already have teammates, whether they be officially employees or part of the team or contractors, they're a part of your team. Um, the fourth who, and, and this sounds a little different, but it's important, is clients. So the people who actually give you money. And the fifth who being customers the people who use your products or services, and the sixth who being potential people. So people who could fill into one of those others, and they're maybe on the periphery or far out, but they're not in your circle yet. I think it's important to start with you as the who, because like we were saying in the last segment a little bit, if it in, if it gives you a lot of enjoyment if it gives you energy, if you're doing the activity and you're better afterwards and you're the best person that you know that can actually do it. Literally, you know, not in your mind, but based off of actual seeing other people do it, it's something you want to hold on to. But if it's something that drains you, you got to go and find someone else to do it which could be someone who's already on your team. When you have a team around you, it may be having a conversation of, would you like to take responsibility for this now? The reason I bring up clients and customers is, it may be that the clients and customers don't actually want you to do this thing. It's not what they value. 
So you, you can take the who, not how concept and apply it in a variety of different ways and terms. Mm -hmm. So as I'm, as you're saying this, I'm kind of thinking through the sorts of things that real estate investors do. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it straight down to like the, what, what has to be done every day in a real estate investing business. And for folks who are maybe just getting started trying to do some sort of flipping business where they need a lot of leads, mm -hmm. they need a lot of sellers to talk mm -hmm. to. The big, the big thing that I hear over and over hangs them up is straight up the marketing yep, and the answering of the phones and the processing of the leads and, and the appointments. And it, some of those are things that I don't see how it's not you. I don't, I don't see how you don't, mm. you're not the, you're not mm. the one who goes to the property and evaluates it. And sure. cause I mean, sure. That, that that's also a high trust issue. Like, Absolutely. like, you know, sending somebody to tell you what to pay for a property is, <laughs> and, and it's something you need to learn. Even, even if you eventually do get a who that's yes. not you, it's something you need to learn so that you can see when you're getting good information and bad information. But some of that stuff, putting stamps on postcards, writing addresses on postcards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, maybe even tracking down, maybe you've gone driving for dollars and you have gotten yourself a bunch of addresses, but you don't have names or mailing addresses associated with those. Some of those things are probably below your pay grade if you know anything about real estate investing. So a lot of people will say, I really need to hire a virtual assistant. That's, that's sure. usually the first thing people go to because, you know, overseas VAs tend to be quick and they, they, they quick. stay around and, you know, you hire them and they, they still want the job a week later. And they, they, you know, you can't paint any sort of uh, team member with a, with the same brush, but yeah, they tend mm -hmm. to be pretty reliable and whatnot. And I think the key, the key thing is when you're starting out, they're cheap. They're cheap. So yes, that's, that's the first place people's minds go but then if they are just starting sure the next place it goes is i don't have the money i don't have the money to, to consistently pay a va to look up addresses for me or sure. you know ask questions so is that where you might look at friends and family it can be absolutely they're 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 people who support you, who want you to win. And it, it's it's hard to give specifics because I could t talk to Vina and you know we could discuss your specific situation. But for anyone else listening, it really depends on your geography and your network and where you are. Um, long ago when I, when I started my first business, I did my accounting for the first year. Mm. I did all of it. And I had a wise, wise um, business owner sit me down and I, it was at a Jay Alexander's and he goes, why are you doing this? Just pay the <laughs> 250 bucks, which was what it turned out to be. It was roughly 250 bucks to do at least the annual accounting. You know, I kept the books and stuff for a long time, but just the annual accounting and the way he presented it was think of it as an insurance policy against the IRS. <laughs> well, and think of it, that was actually, 
when I finally figured out that I couldn't do everything myself <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, I, I started out in a, in a three person partnership Yeah, and the idea was we were going to take the work and kind of figure out a way to spread it evenly amongst the three of us. And it did not turn <laughs> out that way. Yep. And the, one of the things that I was stuck with was both the daily accounting and the tax year accounting. And mm. I, it literally, I, I, I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. <laughs> and I've worked out at one point that it was taking me 20 hours a month just to balance the bank accounts, write the checks, mm. make sure the invoices were entered. And then when it was tax time, I was just, I was just out of pocket for eight days. Yeah. Trying to figure out what I had done in the previous year. So that was my first moment of, wait, I don't like this. I'm not good at it. I keep thinking I'm saving money mm. by not hiring someone else to do it. But in the 20 hours a month that I'm spending doing this stuff, I could absolutely, I could go knock on doors and buy a deal. Like I, I, don't, I wouldn't even have to stretch that hard to find a deal in 20 extra hours. And, you know, let's say it was a wholesale deal and this was many years ago. So let's say mm -hmm. it would only make $5,000. Would that pay for someone else to do this every month? Answer, absolutely. check. <laughs> absolutely. And, and this is this is a key thing. The people who take on those jobs like them. So and I don't understand them, but God bless them. Uh, yes. <laughs> when you get the people who like what they're doing, you know, don't hire their old curmudgeon who hates bookkeeping to do it. Find the person who actually enjoys making sure all the accounts are balanced and empower them. Mm-hmm. Makes their world better. So what 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 happened to me mm -hmm. was I at some point, it was probably 10 years into my business, maybe even 15 years into my business. It well, it didn't dawn on me, let's be honest. I read the EMF is what happened. And yes. and it it sunk in that the way that I had grown up seeing it done which was everything's going to be, if not done by a single person, it's going to be micromanaged <laughs> by that person <laughs> was, yes. was maybe not the only way out there. And, mm. and I, and I hired a, I hired a bookkeeper pretty much immediately and have had one ever since different ones, but you know, sure. I hired one right away. Uh, so that shift in mindset from, if it must be done, I must figure out how to do it and when I'm going to get around to doing it to mm -hmm. who out there can do it better. And I'll tell you, my, my first hire was a friend mm. who I knew from high school mm -hmm. who was going to graduate school and he was only allowed to work on the books like 10 hours a week. Mm. And I said, well, you know, we don't have to tell them that you're actually working. He needed the money, right? Yeah. But but he couldn't like go out and get something that was going to get reported on a W-2. So uh, we paid him on a 1099, which they never saw. And it, it worked out great for, you know, the first year or two. And then he graduated and went off to do that job. And I found somebody else. But the 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 mind shift of every time you take on a new project or sit down and go, I'm not getting this done or I need to have more time or whatever, asking mm -hmm. that question, who, not how. Now, we need to, whoa, do we need to take a quick break? We need to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, 
uh, we're going to go back to this list of yours because <laughs> there's good. some other things that were really interesting that you said about your customers and clients, maybe not even wanting what it is you are sitting down and working so hard on. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is a special pre-recorded program because I didn't want to leave you listeners high and dry just because I was out of the country. Puerto Rico is not out of the country. Stop saying that, Vina. Just because I was uh, outside of the continental United States. And uh, so... That's why you're not hearing me say, contact us if you have a question. If you do have a question, you can certainly send it to askvina at gmail.com. And I will be happy to forward it to Jonathan for further review and answer. Or uh, I might even give my opinion, too. I don't know. I'm kind of known for that. So we are talking about who, not how, for real estate investors. And really, at the base of this, what we're talking about is... It, it might be a mental shift for you, listener, to go from being a you know, real estate investor. That's what we call ourselves, right? Which kind of implies that I'm I'm putting money into a passive deal and it's paying my money's paying me back, which is not actually what most of us do. Um, solopreneur, okay? So so that that person who I am the chief cook and bottle washer, and that is absolutely a mindset. Every time you see something that you think would improve your deal flow or your cash flow or whatever you go, Oh, I need to put that on my to-do list. <laughs> and Jonathan is suggesting do not write it on your to-do list until you have really sat down and said, who could do this? That's not me. Mm-hmm. It could be somebody that you already have, you know, your VA, your uh, attorney, your uh, real estate agent, you're maybe, maybe that would fall easily fall into one of their areas of responsibility. It could be a, a virtual assistant that you're hiring new. It could be that you lean on friends and family, especially at the beginning to do this sort of thing. Uh, I know that in the Jones family growing up, the children were considered fair game for any easy task Absolutely. that needed to be done. And when we objected to things like um, cleaning out the apartment that had just gone vacant. The answer was, uh, do you want to have a roof over your head? <laughs> do you want, you want to pay for your own food? Did, did, did you, did you intend to go to, honestly, JCPenney was about in our price range <laughs> and buy your own clothes. And, uh, so it was just kind of, you know, kids work in a family business was the, was the attitude in our house. But even even uh, something that you didn't quite mention, Jonathan, was there's probably people around you in your real estate association. Absolutely. Who would love to maybe even get the experience of doing the thing you need done. And Mm -hmm. and they are much more willing to trade for your advice, your mentoring, uh, them getting experience or a piece of your deal. Yes. Then employee, you know, people, people like a VA, it's really hard to say, I, uh, you, you work for an unknown period of time. And then when I buy a deal, I'll give you 20% of the wholesale <laughs> fee or whatever, you know, they're really, really hard to do that with virtual assistants and employees of any sort. So you had sort of mentioned something just kind of like, I'm just going to go right past this. 
which is you've got to also think of the who's in terms of your customers and clients who for real estate investors might be wholesale buyers. They might be uh, retail buyers. If you're a retailer, they might be short-term rental tenants. Mm -hmm. They might be long-term rental tenants, Uh, probably private lenders somewhat fall into that category. People that you're you're borrowing from or partners. And you, you sort of said, you need to think about is what you are proposing to do even something that they value and will pay more for? Mm-hmm. It's you get to pick who your customers are. You get to pick who your clients are. And within the, within the boundaries of fair housing law, of course. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, but if you decide to be a wholesaler, you have clients who are paying you money for the deal that you've put together and you have customers who you are solving their problems in the world. And that's amazing. And I need to to quibble with you over your use of language there. That's fine. It's customers and customers for a wholesaler (laughs) because, well, client implies I have some sort of a, you know, a, a relationship where I am going out to find them deals specifically And the divisions of real estate have a real problem with the idea that you might be doing that without a license. So then we can say customers customers and consumers. consumers. (laughs) We have people who are consuming what we're producing. Yes. And whichever, you know, come up with your own term. We'll call A people and B people, whatever. But there's a difference, but you're serving both of them and you're, you're making the world better for both the people. And, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll probably get what you want. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yes. So, but this examination of, because I mean, people get these wild visionary ideas of I'm going to do something nobody else has ever done and I'm yeah. going to improve things that nobody else has ever improved. I mean, like directly, like I'm going to, I'm going to do something to my rental or I'm going to offer some different buying service or something else. And I think what you were saying is you got to talk to them. Yeah. Think, think that through is, does, is it really something thinking you, but you're suggesting actually getting on the phone with them and saying, would you value this? Would you value it enough that you'd be willing to maybe pay a little extra rent, Mm -hmm. pay a little more for a deal, uh, whatever the case may be. Yes. And that, that's an, that's another good thought to have. Talk to the people who are going to give you money or you want them to give you money eventually before you actually have something to offer them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I've seen some, I've seen some ideas that I I got why the people were so excited about them. (laughs) Yeah. And my experience looking back over three decades is that'll be a good little bell or whistle and all of your colleagues will say, boy, I wish I thought of that. That's so cool. But I don't think it's going to do you one more deal. I don't think it's going to get you one more dollar in rent on your shorter long-term rental. I, you know, it's, it's more of a, look what I did sort of thing than it is a, an actual valuable thing. So whoever you, whoever is the end user for your product, want to be a wholesale buyer, retail buyer, tenant, short-term rental tenant, mm-hmm. you know, you can talk to those people, right? Yeah. One of, one of the things that was a big aha for me when I was first studying real estate under this goddess and 
it was why would anyone sell a property for less than market value and stuff? I, I could not get my head around motivated seller, the mindset that they were in. And ironically, I was I was watching a documentary on the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and talking about the original, you know, when it was first started, and they they were interviewing the original founder of the UFC, and he sold it for like a million dollars, and it turned into a billion dollar company, and the the guest or, or the host, whoever was interviewing, was like. Were you mad when they took the UFC and it's now a billion dollars? And he looked at them dead eye and said, no, I was done. That was that was the first time I'd seen someone in their cadence and, and their heart and soul of going, that's a motivated seller right there. He was just done with his, that business. It needed to go away. Someone took it away. And that's what I started looking for. And when I talk to new people who haven't done deals, I'm often telling them or telling me what they're doing. I'm like, go find motivated sellers. Just go find motivated sellers. Mm -hmm. You need to talk to motivated sellers. Your whole I, I don't go on to say normally your whole world will be different if you talk to a few motivated sellers, even if you can't manage a deal with them. Mm -hmm. Experiencing yeah. the pain and and just they're done. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I and I think a lot of uh, super new investors lose that modifier motivated when they go talk to sellers <laughs> and they go, no one want, no one here in Nashville wants to sell their properties at less than value. No. Yeah. You just haven't actually talked to a motivated one. Yet yeah. Is your problem. So, you know, the flip side of this is there are people listening who are saying, I did not get in this business to have employees or partners Absolutely. or yep. manage people or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, nurse them along. It takes as much time to supervise them as it does to do it myself. So for, for that person who I mean, they, they still know they need people like you're not going to go do your yeah. title search or legal work or whatever but if they if they really wanted to minimize the number of other people in their business what what would that look like for you is it is it definitely that's, that's, a bad thing no 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 you it's great i i've i've played this game myself so let's let's play it let's imagine we're going to do we want to do a business where we buy fix up and rent out properties, be a great housing provider, and we only want to deal with business owners. Can you do it? Mm -hmm. So if we start at the very beginning, we we network with and we get to know good wholesalers. And that's part of why I promote people learning to be good wholesalers in my area. Because it's an area where I don't really want to do it. I've come close many times to doing a wholesaling business. And it's just not one that I that that appeals to me because I want to deal with artists, entrepreneurs, investors, and owners. So we start off with the wholesalers, and we just buy from wholesalers. So now we have our deal flow taken care of, and they have to be good ones. So you do have to know enough about wholesaling to evaluate: is this someone who knows what they're doing? Uh -huh. And is this a deal a good deal by deal? Is this deal? A good is this a good deal? Yes. You, you have to know that sort of thing. So there's knowledge on your part to evaluate them. From there, well, then you have to get to know contractors, <laughs> like contracting companies probably, who can actually do the renovations that you need to do. So that's two people. 
from there, if you don't actually want to rent them out yourself, you have to have a property manager. <laughs> so that's the, a third business that you have right there. There will be times you do want to sell your precious babies that you've had. They, they're just not right for you at that time. So you need a realtor. And that's not dealing with the other side of just taking care of business. Mm-hmm. But you can do it. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves you with the bookkeeping and the, um, you know, evaluation, managing the, managing the folks, right? You managing don't, the, folks. The, the best contractor and the best bookkeeper and the best property manager in the world, you can't just turn away Absolutely. and say, I'm sure they're doing their jobs. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta look at stuff, but yeah. So that's a no employee business. Every mm-hmm. single one of those people either gets paid on a 1099 or commission or something like that. So yeah, that's, you're, you're absolutely right. If you decided I, I want zero employees, you just laid out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. So something, something for you all who are panicked about the idea of employees and partners to think about. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Jonathan Nation. And we've been talking really about a mindset that if you can manage to take it on, will make your real estate investing life a lot easier and less stressful because you will be able to work on the part that you're good at and like and have other people do stuff that you are not good at and or do not like. And that is a, that is a big learning. Unfortunately, uh, it is, it's sort of in the culture in mm-hmm. our real estate associations in mm-hmm. even workshops. They, they don't say this, but you can, you can get from the person who's teaching it that that's how they operate their lives in yes. that, in that. Yeah, I'm going to have some people to do, I'm going to have other people hang kitchen cabinets, but I have to be involved in every aspect of my business every minute of the day. Uh, it's a long, long, long standing culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it goes back it's to, it, it, it is, and it goes back to, uh, you know, it, in the past, small real estate investing wasn't really a business. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you bought a house and then if you saved up a bunch of money, you bought the house next door and you rented <laughs> it. And, and then if you saved up a bunch, a bunch of money, you bought the house next door to that and rented mm-hmm. it. And we still, I still run across these 85 year old sellers who mm-hmm. have over the course of many years collected up five, 10, 15 properties. And that's exactly how they did it. They, yep. They bought other houses on their block as they became available and they paid almost nothing for them because they were in super rough shape. And then they went in there for six months and did all the work. And then they've dealt with every tenant ever since then. And it's not, it's not that it's not a way to get rich. And and yeah, it it depends on what you want in life. Is, is that the life you really want to live? I find that most of those people are really sour about the whole thing, honestly. Like, like when you, when you, when you, they're, they're ready to sell. And when you go to, to meet them, they tell you about this horrible tenant from 20 years ago who set a fire in this house and how they're just super sick of tenants. And, uh, you know, the, the, that like they, they don't have any good things to say. Those properties 
supported them for many, many years. And now Mm -hmm. that they're able to sell them after many, many years and they're paid off and whatnot, it's going to support them until they die. But they kind it's kind of like they hated the whole thing (laughs) from, from beginning to end. They have nothing good to say about their real estate. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to avoid. You know, you being 85 years old and going, thank God I can get rid of this real estate business. So another big issue that uh, some people are, some people are hearing this and they're going, I've tried this. Sure. Sure. I hired someone. I had a partner. I, and yep. it was a disaster and I will never do it again. And the problem is probably they had the right idea about finding a who. Yep. They just didn't find the right who. So what can you tell us about finding the right who? Okay. I can, I can go a couple different directions with that question <laughs> and mm-hmm. because there's so many layers with that. Um, the first one I would say is there's, there's actually two types of people you can bring in. And, and I'm not going to say hire because it could be contractors or other businesses, but two types. One we'll call rotational. And those are people, it's low level. It's easily replaced. It could be your VAs. It could be temporary workers. It could be companies that do a one-time kind of job. The second type we'll call transformational. Now, those two terms come from a book called The Alliance. And there's a third level, but you can't hire for the third level. You have to find people who are transformational, and then they come on eventually. The transformational are people who are going to be around for two to four years. And during that time, those people are going to transform. They're going to grow. They're going to develop as individuals. And they're going to help the organization grow, develop in a significant way. So only think about, all right, is this a one-off kind of thing or a low-level thing that I can replace them easily? Or is this a person who it's going to take a couple years for them to fully build out the business system that they're taking responsibility for? And knowing after two years or after four years, or maybe they'll do two rotations of that, you know, they do two years and then on one project and one side of the business, and then they develop or do another aspect. That's the only kinds of people you can really bring in right now. And a lot of times what people are trying to do is they're trying to hire for everything. I want you to clean the house. I want you to scrape the gutters. And I want you to smell pretty and look pretty and do every day of the week. <laughs> it's, and, and do the books and answer the phones. And, and the books and the phones. <laughs> yes, you are a unicorn. And yes, you can't hire a people, hire people who are successful in something. And I'm saying that specifically because ironically, I was, I was listening to an interview with Mr. Beast which you may or may not know Mr. Beast, go ask a teenager or, or, or an elementary school kid. They know who Mr. Beast is. He's the most popular YouTuber. And he's, you know, I'd, I'd always been taught or looked at the who or the a, who the a method of hiring where you hire superstars. You only hire people who have been successful at what you're hiring for and bring them in. But he pointed out he was in an industry that, there weren't people who had built multi-million dollar huge YouTube channels. So he hires for people who have been successful, 
but had the gift and, and, and not the gift, but had the drive. He, he hired a qual, um, and what I think about is the people who are in the smaller towns. You might not have the best maid service for your short term rentals. So you got to find a good maid service and teach them how to be a good maid service for a short term rental. And it's different. Mm-hmm. I've had that going on. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on that with my maid service and my podunk, you know, lake house that I have. And so you can hire the people who have been successful at what you're trying to do, or you can hire the people who have been successful at something and they show the qualities and the integrity and teach them. But understanding when you're teaching them the skills for two to four years, then they're going to need something else. And it could be with you or it could be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. last thing that, that came to mind, when I was looking to change accountants, my accountant disappeared this past year. What I did was I went to good, successful accountants that I knew in other places, Jerry and Scott, and I sat down and I said, what should I look for in an accountant? And they taught me. They, they taught me there are two types of accountants. You have those who are good at compliance who will keep you out of jail, and then you have those who are good at strategy, who are good at planning and developing the where you're going in the future. And so I had to figure out which one was I looking for, and when I was talking to accountants, I could use that formula of, oh, you're this kind of accountant. Great, I can use you this way, and then I wasn't going to try to use you in the other way. Mm-hmm. So there, there's an element of learning about what are you really looking for and not trying to get someone to do too much? And that, and that thing that you did to find the next accountant is actually fantastic advice to folks who are, they could be new or they could just be new at a strategy. You know, when I, when I bought my first short-term rental, I did not know except that I had talked to short-term rental owners that the most important person on your team is the cleaning team. But, Absolutely. And I was like, oh no, I need to get a contractor in there. I was looking at it like a normal renter, rental, mm-hmm. right? And talking to other people about, okay, so like, what are the big things I'm going to need to know about short-term rentals? And everybody said, you are going to need a cleaning team beyond anything you have ever seen in your life. The If you don't know enough about the new strategy to know like who should I hire Mm -hmm. go ask somebody who's who's hired people it's it's they they and they can tell you things like because I I have a lot of wholesalers Mm -hmm. who come to me and say I'm going to hire a VA and I say what are they going to (laughs) do and they say well I need the phones answered I need the marketing lists made and cleaned up I need uh, the marketing to be you know, they're obviously not going to mail something from the Philippines, but I need it to be coordinated with the printer because there's, mm-hmm. a, you know, I got to do four different pieces of mail for each of five different lists. Uh, I'm going to have them write up the offers. I'm like, whoa, stop. You just described people with at least three very different skill sets. Yes. You don't need a VA. You need three VAs. But they, but they or hear. Or maybe even six. Maybe, maybe even, even six. six. <laughs> what they hear when they hear oh, I have a VA and she makes my life a lot easier is not the detail yes. of what that VA is doing. So Jonathan, we only have about another 90 seconds. Oh my. So let me uh, let me have you summarize what 
the most important things you think the audience should take away from this are? The first thing is know who you are. You, you have to be very clear of how you measure success. Second thing is know that there are other people who would love to do the stuff you hate. Find them, support them, develop them. Whether they be on your team or a contractor or a business you hire. Joint venture, partner. Yeah, joint venture, partner. Whatever the, the formal is does not matter. But it all starts with you. And when you know yourself better, your strengths, your weaknesses, keep doing things that energize you and find people who love doing the things you hate. Absolutely. And I, I actually, you didn't see me taking notes, but <laughs> I was, uh, I actually wrote down a couple of things too, to take away from myself, which were number one, ask good questions. Don't just do what you've always done and think of something and put it on your to-do list. And then remember to ask again every time. Mm. here's a new thing. Is it me that needs to be doing it? And the other thing that kind of struck me was your, your idea that you can really design your business. You don't have to do, you don't have to have employees if you don't want to want to have employees. Maybe you want to build a giant team. Maybe that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. But if something about this makes you go, oh, that's not for me. Uh -uh. Step back and think about it. What part of it's not for you? Because you can design around that. Jonathan Nation, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. I hope folks like really listen to this over and over again and uh, take the advice, not just hear the advice, actually <laughs> act on the advice. So thank you. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path of, to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing. 